Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this podcast episode where we're going to be talking about how to handle starting a new website on different budgets. And we might have given different advice over time because we were casually talking about this, but really depending on your financial situation and how much you're able to put into your project, your decisions will change massively, both on a strategic level, but also on the tool setup level, hiring, outsourcing, etc. So in this episode, we are going to be dedicating some time to talk about what each budget tier should be doing. Either you're starting with $0 budget or more than $100,000 budget. We are going to be covering that. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about a topic that is interesting to a lot of people, not just beginners, and that is when I start a new website, how do I allocate my budget? Where do I put the money for the content? Where do I put the money for the link building? Where do I put the money for the tools? What tools do I get, etc.? And I think that is something that has been confusing a lot of people because when we are talking usually more casually about that topic on the podcast or on the video or anywhere, you might have consumed content from us and from other people. Like people kind of have their go-to setup, but it really depends on their financial situation and the budget they have allocated to uh, the project they're doing. And like if I was really, really strapped for money, I would make different decisions, use different tools than if I had a big budget for something. And so we're going to be trying to address all these different use cases in this podcast. And I think that's going to be interesting because then whether you are someone that has lots of resources or someone that really doesn't have a lot of resources to start a project, you can just pick the section where we're going to talk about that. And then you can pretty much copy that setup and understand why we are making these recommendations because we're going to be breaking that down. So before we actually join in, before we actually bring Mark onto the podcast, because like he's already smiling, I can see, I just wanted to thank everyone who joined during the Atari Hacker Pro launch. I know there was a lot of promotion going on and someone told me that on Twitter. The truth is we have tested these things and we do marketing and we test these things and we see what works best for our launches and we do what works best. And so when we A-B test these things, quite often the heavier promotion tends to win at the test and that's why you've seen that. It is over now, a lot of good member, like a lot of good stuff's happening on both the Pro and the Platinum community. Platinum is new, it's been fun. I will probably talk about that later, but for now, Mark, how's it going? It's going good, thanks. I just got back from a long trip to Chiang Mai and to Bangkok. And just before that, I was in Brighton at Brighton SEO. I was just at home. I was in a DCBKK <laughs> conference in Thailand, which was fantastic. So to everyone I met, all those conferences and all the various meetups and masterminds and events and parties around them, it was great to meet everyone. And yeah, it's like, it's really cool just to meet people face to face who like our stuff and it's always a bit weird when people come up and like, hey, Mark, I've listened to all 296 That's episodes of your weird. podcast <laughs> already. I feel like I really know you. I'm like, who are you? I have but a yeah, question. No, it's, it's cool. If someone has listened to all the podcast episodes, do you think that they have heard more of you than your parents have? No, I was always a kid that was, are we there yet? How does uh, this work? Uh, Why do we do this? Like, so how many I, episodes I, I, I until we cross that point? Well, I don't know. We're well, coming up for the big 300, <laughs> I think, this yes. year which is a milestone in itself, but I don't know. It would, it would really it would have to be a thousand, a thousand plus, right, uh, yeah, cool. probably more than that. I think that's just an interesting question sometimes uh, to wonder who heard more about you. Anyway, that's not what people are here for. People are here for to basically know how we would start a new project, start a new website with different budgets. And I think the one we're going to start with is the one that actually like, there's quite a few people who listen to us that have no budget at all. Like they're just... Times are hard, right? There's all this inflation stuff, there's all of that. It's quite hard to put some money aside for non-essential things, essentially, because when you have a business that doesn't make you money, it's, I would call it non-essential at that point. 
And yeah, a lot of people want to get started. It's going to be hard to squeeze some dollar, like to squeeze a budget for this. So well, let's talk about these people first. I mean, the thing is like... It's not really possible to do it with zero, yeah, zero that's budget. that's what I was going to say. So we're, we're going to talk to like, you've the managed to scrimp you spend, a few yeah. dollars. What's the minimum amount of money you yeah. can spend and still actually have a site? I took a note for this though. I think you can start kind of like an online business with zero dollar. It's not a website though. I don't think you cannot build a website, but I think if you're really like a topic expert and you know your topic and you can shoot videos with your phone, I think you can start building a social profile. I think if you do like short videos, for example, like you do short videos that go on Instagram, that go on TikTok and that go on YouTube shorts, you can start building an audience. Like you can, and then you could start being sponsored. You, you could start making some money some way. It's hard to, it's kind of a different path, but it's, it is possible to start a business that way if you have absolutely no money, but you need some expertise. I think if you have no expertise, no access to things and no value to add, then I don't think you can. But if you have the value to add, but no budget, I think that's where I would start if you really add zero. But if you want to start a website, that's pretty much what we're going to talk about now, basically. Do you want to start or should I start? Uh, you go for it, yeah. So I think the first thing to think about when you are on really, really, really low budget is the strategy, the top level, how do I actually make this happen? And I think niche selection is going to be one, right? You want to go for a really small niche, I think, because it's like the way I'm looking at it now, like people talking about topical authority and like having covering your niche, etc. If you pick a small niche, you don't need that many pages to cover your niche. If you pick a big niche, you need lots of pages. And think of Google, like they give you a completion rate. You know, when you play a game on like a console or something or a PC game, they tell you, oh, you completed the game at 72% or something like this. Well, that's pretty much the same for a website. You want that completion rate to be as high as possible so that Google takes you seriously. And for it to be as high as possible while you like essentially can't have any help, you're alone, like you can't pay anyone, you need to pick a really small niche. So my recommendation is that because you won't be able to create lots of pages and you want that high completion rate, you want to pick a small niche and you, I would actually probably focus on an affiliate mainly site over ads, because if you wanted to make money with ads, you tend to need lots of traffic, you tend to need lots of content, and it's going to be difficult to get to that point short amount of time. Whereas if you were ranking for a few juicy affiliate keywords, you could do that. So I would start a site that is focused on a specific product category slash even single, like single product or like really something really niche. So for example, like I put an example, I put like pizza ovens, for example, I would literally make a site just about that, just about make your pizzas at home yourself, basically, or something like really, really small. And then the idea is like make some dollars and either you can expand your site or you can sell it or you can maintain it and then start another project or something like that that has a bigger scope once you have the dollars. But other than that, it's like it's going to be difficult otherwise. So I think that decision, like really picking that thing where as a single person, you can essentially get the high com completion rate of talking about your topic is going to be crucial if you are going to be running on low budget, uh, more important than which hosting you're picking, etc. for example. And I think as well with that, the sort of narrower you go, okay, the lower the ceiling is, the more, the less competition there is and the more likely it is that you're going to be the person that can dominate there even yeah. with like sort of little experience. And that's really what you want. You want your first attempt, your first go to be a success so that you build that momentum and can generate that income and can go on and do bigger and better things. Yeah, I wrote like make an overkill micro niche site, basically. That's pretty much the idea. As if I was in this situation, that's what I would do, actually. Become an expert in a niche that nobody bothered being an expert at. And then your chances of success are high. 
and it's still doable as a single person. So that's pretty much the strategy part. Like anything you want to add, then we can talk about tools, et cetera, et cetera. No, let's just jump into the tools. And, and this is, I think, really where you have to spend some money, bit, yeah. even if you're on a zero or close to zero dollar budget. There's certain unavoidable things such as a domain hosting. and hosting. Um, and I see here you've you've written some very blasphemous words. I know, I've written Do you, you want to explain yourself here? Yeah, like absolutely. Bluehost? I was looking for like the absolute cheapest, right? Site speed's cool, but when you are at that level of bootstrapping, it doesn't really matter that much. Like what's going to matter is like how well your content is put together and the few good links you're going to get to your site. And so Bluehost was the cheapest. So it was $35 for a whole first year. But then basically the way these cheap hostings get you is like the first year is cheap. The renewal is much more expensive. So the renewal was 120 So the idea is like, I actually wrote Bluehost because it's the cheapest, but my favorite is actually SiteGround, which is going to be coming at about $40 per year. I think so like five bucks more, but they have a good caching plugin. So you get a bit better site speed. Uh, still not amazing like they still put lots of sites on the same servers etc like they, they, it's a cheap hosting right so the idea would probably be if you still didn't make much money by the end of your first year that ideally you make money by your first year and you don't really care about the renewal that much if you don't you can ping pong between these two actually <laughs> so you can do your first year on Bluehost and they have free transfers so you just go by site ground and you just ask them for a transfer they transfer you from Bluehost and yeah after you transfer back etc so you could really like essentially like play on these first years you really do have to set yourself a reminder though because I'm not yeah, 100% they get sure that they'll, yeah. they'll let you know exactly when you're going to yeah. be rebuilt and they may do a little bit early and yeah you've got to be a bit, bit careful with that but you know if you're really looking for like the best bang for your buck yeah site speed is not the biggest concern at this point and you won't have great great performances for as little money as this you know it's just not happening it's good enough though you can rank so is that $35 including a domain? or is Including it, a domain, need... yeah. So it's, oh, that's pretty good, actually. So good. it's like, yeah. I would do that. If I really have zero money, I would do that. Then um, you need some tools for like keyword research, link building, etc. Like you need an SEO tool, basically. We always talk about Ahrefs, but it's by far the most expensive tool these days. And again, if I was strapped for cash, I would probably not go for that because it's just too much money. Even at 99 bucks, you have some limited functions, etc. So I checked and Ubersuggest is still by far the best bank for your buck. It's 12 bucks per month. You can even buy the lifetime for 120 if you have a little, of ca a little bit of cash on the side. So it's quite nice. If you're really strapped for cash, literally just buy the 12 bucks per month. Like You don't even need to maintain that subscription. Probably you can extract a lot of data in two or three months and cut that subscription. And then that's where I would go, basically. But what Ubersuggest has that makes it good enough is you can put a URL of a website and you can see what keywords they rank for, what pages drive the most traffic, etc., which is plenty to do keyword research from. Like you could find decent keywords from that. The data is not as good as something like Ahrefs. It's not going to be as accurate, etc. But you can build a site that does okay and you can probably find decent keywords for a fraction of the price here. Same with the link data. Like, you know, it's probably like 60%. I haven't checked. I, I can't remember, but like it's maybe 60 or 70% of what Ahrefs gives you. But again, for a fraction of the price. So you can find sites to outreach to. You can see the links that, like the best links that point to a given competitor's page, et cetera. And if you add up all of that together, it's enough data that you can realistically achieve success at a much lower price than a tool like Ahrefs. I think that does the job. And for themes and all of that, I put the free version of Generate Press plus Generate Blocks. So you get like, you kind of offset the cheap hosting here because the theme is like very light and uh, it's kind of like the best you can get for site speed. While still like Generate Blocks is still nice to build pages. The free version is quite generous. 
to be honest, it replaces a page builder and still like you can build like complex layouts, etc. The free version of Generate Press, on the other hand, is a little bit more constraining. Like you can't fully customize your header, etc. So you're still going to have a bit of that generic site look. So it's going to be the limitation. I think you can take a free trial on Canva as well to like make your logo. And that's where I would go probably. I would look for like free logo vectors or something and try to edit it or something like that. But like I would go for something really, really cheap. Yeah, I mean, the first version of Authority Hacker, our logo was literally oh, I did uh, it, yeah. stock, <laughs> stock vector we got off of Shutterstock. So it was it was a paid one at, um, was at the time. Photo, I mean, maybe or something. No, it was, it was Shutterstock, but you, okay. you can buy one-off vector images, and then yeah. we literally used that and some text, and that was Authority Hacker. I, that would, was um, I would pay for one month of Canva if you really have to do some design, because they have a built-in stock photo and stock vectors in there now, and built-in logo builder, etc. So I think it's 10 bucks, and then it's like, if you really want to like customize your site and you can afford the 10 bucks, then that's probably the best 10 bucks you can spend for design. Because then you can also download as many, you can make custom images for your posts, etc. like make a bunch. Like, let's say the way we build sites is we plan the first like 100 pages. So let's say you have that five bucks on Canva, you, you prepare all your featured images for the posts that are coming, etc. And so you download all of these on that five bucks. And then even if they're not written, when you get to post, post them, you have the image ready, for example. You can really squeeze that, basically. I also wrote a bunch of productivity tools. You're going to need to keep yourself organized. You need a to-do system. Uh, you need to document stuff, etc. So I put Asana has a free task, uh, has a free plan for, like, that's the tool we use still, but we use the paid version. But there's a free plan for like three projects or something, which is good enough to get started. And uh, I put the free Notion plan as well. So you can, if you want to write SOPs, if you want to document things, if you want to take notes about your competitors, etc., it's a good place to go. And uh, I guess you put Google Workspace at six bucks per month so for the this outreach, is a right? this is a kind of optional one. So if you're going to be doing any kind of outreach, it's just yeah. so much easier, so much easier if you have a like Gmail for your domain. So it's Google Google Workspace used to be called G Suite. It's about six bucks a month. It allows you to connect automatically or very easily into certain tools like the free Hunter outreach tool. Uh, so if you are doing link building, highly, highly recommend doing this. If that's still too much money, most hosting plans or many hosting plans actually offer like a free email thing and you can set it up in Outlook or Mail or one of these programs and uh, it's it's free, but just know that you're probably going to end up switching to Google Workspace later anyway. Yeah. So this one is not too bad, especially if the other productivity tools are free, like Asana and Notion, you can literally run it for free when you're in one-man army, which is nice. And I think that when it comes to zero-budget or low-budget sites, I mean, you're obviously going to be doing a lot of the work yourself. As you have more money to spend on things, you you know spend money to save time. But you don't have any money, so you've got to invest a lot of time. And the two biggest areas where you're going to be spending that time are on initially, certainly, writing content, creating content, and building links. And really, you've no other option. You're going to be writing all of the content yourself. Um, so you're probably not going to be competing on volume with you know sites yeah, that you have can't. 100K budgets and 10 writers or whatever. But that's fine especially if you're going for this micro niche or like a smaller kind of market segment that there's perhaps less competition in, then you still uh, can do can do a good job there. And you usually don't need that much content to have enough kind of relevancy and volume and cross that threshold where Google sees you as kind of like a legitimate site and 
can start to run some traffic towards you. It also means that you really get to understand the content creation process. If you've never done it before and you just hire a bunch of writers, often you'll get not such good content. And because you don't know the ins and outs of actually writing it yourself, it's quite hard to give feedback sometimes and to manage writers if you don't know what that job really is. And that's especially true on kind of when it comes to research and structuring and outlining and the whole sort of search intent side of stuff as well. When it comes to link building, again, you're going to be doing all this yourself. There are fortunately quite a few easy, cheap, well, free ways to do it. I would get started really early on with Harrow. So if you go to helperreporter.com, I think it is, or .net, they'll send you an email three times a day with questions from various journalists and you can just respond to the ones that you think you can answer or that, that are relevant to your business or to just to online businesses in general. There's usually quite a few that any business or any online business can answer. So I would get going with that. It's free. I would also start doing some kind of higher quality outreach. This is where I'm having a look for good guest posting opportunities, good sites that I can do maybe some link exchanges with, although if you're a brand new site, they're probably not going to want to do that because um, you don't have too much value, but just any site that I can establish a relationship with. And then I'm going to write something, you know, quite targeted, quite specialized to them to try and do something with them, basically. And you don't, this doesn't cost you anything. You use your free email or your Google Workspace tool to do this. If you do want to take things a little a step further and, and do some more sort of process systematized outreach, then you can use the hunter.io has a free outreach tool which you can use. It does like automated follow-ups. You can import lists and it works with templates and it's kind of like a mail merge thing. Your bottleneck with no budget is going to be finding emails for all the sites you want to outreach to. However, we do have a podcast, I think it was episode 140, so that's quite a few years ago, where we talk about how to find contacts email. So it'll be a bit more manual work you'll have to do. And I believe Hunter also has a free a limit. I think you get 25 yeah, you get some. email finds per month or something. It's not a lot, but yeah. So it's not much, but if you're doing kind of higher end, more yeah. quality rather than quantity outreach, is a good place to start and it's, it's not going to cost you anything. I think that's kind of the with the strategy that people really need to understand. It's like it's really about picking that micro niche nobody ever bothered making a good site about and making it better than everyone else, both in terms of link building and in terms of content, because you can compete on quantity anyway. But I think if you really get into a niche, you can it's not hard to compete on quality in these micro niches because most of the content is pretty crap. And so yeah, that's pretty much the approach. And use all these kind of like free tiers of all these tools, like as I said, like Asana, Notion, Hunter, uh, Howrow is free as well, etc. And just like all the first tiers of hosting, etc. And add all of this up to make it a lot cheaper than it would be otherwise. And essentially put something decent together and make some money and then not worry about starting to upgrade these things. And uh, I guess, uh, do you have anything else to say about the zero budget uh, thing? Or should we jump on the next one? No, let's move on to the $1,000 budget. Yeah, uh, so this one is interesting. $1,000 is like, it's still not enough to hire help. You're still going to be a one-man army, but it's enough to hire software help. And we're going to talk about that, especially as we get to the content part. But you can improve your productivity significantly by improving the tools you're going to use and making a bigger stack of technology behind you. And that's really what this tier is going to be about. And what's interesting is, so we're going to talk about, for example, AI writers here. You can access something like Jasper or something like that. And you and it's like, wow, you should not automate all your content, press the generate, generate, generate button. It can help you output content faster. That actually affects your strategy because if you're able to output a lot more content using these kind of tools, 
you'll also be able to go for ads monetization. Like it's something that opens up because you'll be able to probably output. If you have access to AI tools, it's kind of like easier to make average quality articles in volume versus in the previous strategy, you don't have access to these tools because you don't have the budget. So it's kind of better to fight on quality because these tools can't touch it. So it's like, I think here you can go for both. So it opens up your strategy and therefore opens up niche opportunities, which is an interesting point. I think that's kind of what this tier is about. It's about using the tools. So the difference is in terms of, uh, sorry, before we do that, do you have anything else you want to add on the strategy level for this? Uh, no. Okay. So the site setup, I would actually still keep my cheap hosting. So it's going to be controversial because it'd be like, oh yeah, $1,000, you could buy a better hosting, etc. But really site speed is not as much about hosting these days as it used to be before because there's all these caching layers with CDNs that cache pretty much everything for you at this point. And I'd rather add, have a shit hosting and then have a premium CDN that essentially does the last layer between the user and the website because our servers these days, our sites are so cached that they don't really serve the site to the users. About 5% of traffic ever hits the server, you know? 95% is stays on Cloudflare or stays on the, we use Bunny. And that's what I would recommend. I would use Cloudflare APO. So Cloudflare APO allows you to cache your HTML on Cloudflare servers. It costs $5 per month. You install the WordPress plugin of Cloudflare, you tick a box, and now Cloudflare is going to start caching your HTML. So like the text and the structure of your pages, etc., on their servers and yeah, about 70 to 80% of the time, your HTML is going to be served by Cloudflare and your server will never have heard of that visit that hit your website. And so that's really fast. We use that on Atoy Hacker right now, for example. Like that's really, really fast. And then I would add another layer of caching. I would add Bunny CDN with, uh, they have a new uh, cache, like a SSD replication. So let's get a little bit technical here. A CDN is a server that essentially host your files closer geographically to your visitors so that let's say I want to load an image on your site instead of loading it on the server in New York when I'm in Bangkok, it has a server in Singapore and it just loads it from there and it's closer and faster, basically. The problem with CDNs is they expire. So if the image hasn't been called from the Singapore server for like 48 hours, they remove that file from the server. But now these CDN services have a replication system that has extra servers that in this case will keep the image file forever. And if the CDN expires, it just grabs it from that server that's just next to it. And so it allows it to essentially have permanent CDNs that makes it more consistent in terms of speed than it used to be historically. And so services like, I know I lost you, Mark, I'm sorry. <laughs> but services like Bunny have that and it's very cheap. You pay around half a dollar per month per GB store. And like for a small site that we have, we use about like one GB to two GB. So we're talking like about 0.5 to $1 budget per month for the replication and for the CDN, maybe two or three bucks, right? So we're talking like three or four bucks per month with a service like Bunny to cache your JavaScript files, your CSS files, and your image files. And so essentially, if you have that and you have the HTML on Cloudflare, you for like a few bucks per month, you can get all your files on the edge. And even if you have a shit hosting behind your site, it's still going to be pretty fast. So that's what I would recommend because it's cheaper than upgrading your hosting and it's better. If it's only a couple bucks a month, would you not be inclined to put it in the like $0 strategy? Zero dollars, like, there's a free tier CDN on uh, all these cheap hostings anyway. So I would just use that, especially if you're starting and you have no traffic. Like if you're really, really, really low budget, do that, then sure, upgrade to that if you want. So we're talking like less than 10 bucks a month. If you don't 
add the image optimizer option. The image optimizer, you know, it resizes the image based on the size of your device. So we are working on like 5K screens with Mark. We have huge, huge array screens. If I load the page on that on that screen, I want the largest possible image so that it doesn't look pixelated. But if I load it on my tiny iPhone, then I don't need the image to be as big. So the service which which resizes it, it's a smaller size file, and therefore the the page loads faster on these devices. That service is a bit expensive with Bunny. It costs $9.95 a month, so you can add that on top. You don't have to, but it's up to what you're comfortable spending, basically. But I would rather do that than upgrade. I would do that, then I would upgrade the hosting than the other way around, because that's the, the thing that most users see most of the time. The hosting tends to limit you more if you're working, like if you're working on your databases, etc., and uh, and the resources you have behind that. But otherwise, I would prefer having better caching. So that's the that's the hosting part. If you have the budget, if you have 1K budget, I would get Ahrefs as well. I would get better data. It's just better tools, really. I think I think this is the big difference here. You know, okay, there's a few tools here and there, but that is the. It's going to cost you a lot of money to have your Ahrefs, even for a few months. You're spending minimum 100 bucks like two a month, months. Prob- I think it's in- probably two, 200 bucks. So it's it's taking you know 20, 40 percent of the the budget in total here. But it makes quite a big difference in terms of the data, the quality of the data you get, and really what you can do with it in the research. And that's that's really important to get that right, I think. Yeah, these sites, the success of these low-budget sites is really about decision-making. Like It's decision-making and quality of execution. That's really the two things that will make or break your site. So I think even if it's like 20% better decisions, it's probably worth it because the ch- it increases your chances of success significantly higher because it's it's really what these projects are about. I would also upgrade to Generate Press Premium so that you can make your site a bit more branded. I think it's 49 bucks or something for the for one year. I would still keep the free Generate Blocks because it's good enough. So I wouldn't pay for that, but I would do that. And maybe I would use Fiverr for my logo and branding so that I can get an actual cheap designer to do that. And then you can upgrade the feel of your With these two things, you can upgrade the feel of your site significantly over the previous tier without a massive budget, basically. So you're talking like a hundred bucks budget, maybe, for branding, something like that, which is not too bad, etc. And on top of that, I've added, again, you can hire help to write. It's just, you're not going to get much for whatever's left after you've upgraded these tools. So what you can do is you can upgrade your content tools. So, so if you want to write content yourself, Grammarly Premium, really helpful to like make your content more readable, more interesting. Yeah, it's just, it's really useful. I put Jasper boss mode. So you can, if you're going for like high volume of content ad site, then again, I would not just have it generate my content, but I would use it as my text editor. And then I would write and I would have it help me like you press this shortcut. I think it's like common U or something. And then it just finish your sentences or helps you like outline. If you get good at it, it can really probably 2x your output if you really, really get into it. So I would definitely consider that. I put Surfer SEO $49 a month. It's quite interesting because Jasper and Surfer, so the $49 per month tier for Surfer only has 10 content editors that tell you uh, what keywords to add, etc. But they have 20 audits in there. So you can kind of like hack it because you could publish your content and it will tell you what to change and the keywords you need to add to it after it's published when you audit your page. So you kind of you can still kind of like make one page one page optimized per day with Surfer, just playing with both tools rather than one, but then you spend less money as well because you still need to be budget conscious at this tier, I think. So yeah, if you're going for the ad site, I would try to do like one article per day with Jasper and optimize it with Surfer. I consider using Phrase.io because it's both the AI writer 
and the optimizing tool, but it's kind of like tier two for both. And if you add like enough characters, etc., it's about the same price. So I would rather do that, do the Jasper boost mode and Surfer SEO, and you'll be around the same price anyway. So I would probably do this. And that's the tools you can use. And if you want to build an ad site, I think, yeah, just aim for like one article posted per day optimized with Surfer. And maybe you can go for free grammar if you're using Jasper because it's already writing pretty. The mastery of English of Jasper is pretty good. The fact checking is terrible and needs to be done, but like the, you don't necessarily need premium if you're using Jasper because the style is going to be decent. Just to add to this as well, that if you're an Authority Hacker member, if you have TAS or H Pro, remember we have a discount section. If you log in and go to the, oh, we have just some, the yeah. nav bar at the top, and many of these tools we've negotiated, sometimes exclusive discounts for our members, so you can save even more money if you're already yeah. a member. So that's pretty much what I would do. I try to like compare to the previous tier. You're still a one-man army, but you're like you kind of have like a mech. You know, you just like you're upgraded, and your site is is definitely going to feel nicer because of the branding effort. And it's going to feel much smoother to navigate because of the extra caching, basically. So, yeah, I think that's what you get for 1K. No extra help yet. I wouldn't try. I think a lot of people have this low budget and try to like hire help, but you're going to get like a few articles. And honestly, it's not going to change very much. Or you're going to get like a couple of links from a service or something. And again, it's not going to make or break your site. At this point, you need to still do everything. Anything else on the 1K? No, I think it's a, well, only when you start moving up to sort of like starting out with a, a 10K budget that then that opens the doors to yeah. starting to to hire hire people specifically. And even then, it's content. not that crazy. Like it's like you can't do everything you want because content still adds up to be quite expensive. Yeah, so, so you, you can kind of think of this if you are starting just with like 10K cash sitting on your desk. Most people aren't necessarily doing that, but you, you you can maybe think of you know the site starts to make a bit of money, or you know you have another job and you can portion like you know a bit of money, a few hundred bucks, um, a, a grand or something a month to get going. So all of those approaches work with this, but generally you're going to be hiring writers and maybe maybe some help with link building, but probably just focusing on the content because that's what's going to take most of your time. Yeah. So should we jump to the 10k? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So. So the 10K is when you can really start opening up your niche a little bit more. I think you don't need to be that micro, micro niche. I still wouldn't go for a big niche. Like 10K, I'm not starting a finance site, you know? (laughs) I don't think, uh, oh, like a WordPress site, for example. Like if you check the WordPress niche, it's extremely competitive. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But like, you know, you can go a little bit broader, especially if you're going for like an ad site, then you can go quite broad. Like you can do like a home and garden and just go for like low competition keywords, etc. You can do that. But I tend to prefer small niches personally, but if you're doing ads, then you can go a bit bigger. Outsourcing starts becoming something. So I think it's like there's that debate of like, okay, what's the goal of that 10K? Is the goal of that 10K to be break even so now the site pays for its bills? Which I think for most people that would be, or like, will you be able to top up more? Because if you really need to hit break even with 10K, you still need to be quite budget conscious. Like you need to be quite careful. It's still like to get a site to be completely break even, knowing that it's not going to cost you a dollar and then you can grow it for free, basically. With just 10K, I would still do a lot of stuff myself. I would get help, but I'd be very, very careful of where I put, put my money. And if you can top up more, then that's when you can start trading Time you can get time back in exchange for money, basically. And so like you need to be a bit careful on that. It's still not a huge budget, it's an acceptable budget, and you can definitely start a site that does well with 10k. But you need to not put your money like everywhere. I need to be very careful. I don't know what you think about that, but yeah. 
I just want to sort of like look at the, the tools you're going to use differently. And there's not that many. I mean, most of what no. we talked about with a 1K budget is the same. You've put Cloudways as like the hosting and the yeah, that's um, when I'm 10K. Good at but honestly, you could also think about doing that even earlier if you're sort of like a 2K or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, but we were 1K before. It, and then what's Rocket.net, by the way? Okay, Rocket.net is kind of like a new hosting company and they kind of have an interesting angle. So basically... You know how I talk like uh, Cloudflare clashes your API, your HTML, sorry, etc. Well, basically, Rocket.net does all of that stuff, does and gives you access to the enterprise level of Cloudflare, which normally costs two hundred dollars per month. So it's a better network of servers. Basically, it basically does all the stuff that I said with Bunny, etc., and Cloudflare, just on an even higher tier. And they don't necessarily offer you like great hosting, but they are a hosting company that focuses on offering you top tier edge caching, basically. And it's not too expensive. So I think if like if you're especially if you're starting a site, you don't have lots of traffic initially, etc., and you have a bit of budget. Like if I check the pricing, it starts at thirty dollars per month for two hundred fifty thousand visits per month. So it's like it's a great place to start a site, and you will get like a really fast hosting, and you don't have to worry about the tech setup. Basically, it's kind of like done for you as a hosting company, unlike what I've talked about before where you kind of need to understand what I was talking about, etc. And if you want to jump to a million visits per month, it's, only, it's 60 bucks, etc. So I don't think it's too expensive. I think uh, I think it's it's fair value considering you're not paying for extra services on top, etc. You know? So yeah, that's why I put it in there. Like if I it's like now we're set up on Cloudways personally and it's good enough and with the setup we have, honestly there's no need to change. But if I was starting a new site, I would strongly consider this option. So I think the biggest area here where you you start to see a change from 1K to 10K is on content, outsourcing content. And generally that's something we would we would look at at this kind of range. The way we'd approach it, I think, is to either look for writers who are already writing for people in your field. So maybe they have their own blog that's sort of not that successful or they're writers on kind of industry blog, they're well known, they have a reputation in the space, you can kind of approach them directly or you can go to problogger, problogger.com forward slash jobs, $160 for a premium job ad. And if you write it well, you usually get 100 plus applicants to there. And there's usually one or two in there who are really good. Costs for hiring a writer vary massively depending on, on the niche. You can budget around about six cents per word on average, but honestly, there are huge variations. If you're in internet marketing, you probably pay quite a bit more or you know anything technical like law or medical or anything like that. But six cents a word for is the average, I would say. So if you break that down, $8,000 gets you about 130,000 words, which is depending on article length, anywhere from sort of, well, 50 to 130 articles. Which is like, it's, it's a, a decent starting start. Point, yeah. yeah, it's not kind of your finished site on that. There's still going to be a lot more to go. But once you start to have that quantity of content, certainly near 100, then generally speaking, you start to see some some results from there. And once you do, you can obviously like feedback the profits you make into going faster and hiring more writers or getting paying your existing ones to get more content. Now, just because you hire a writer doesn't mean it's like, oh, okay, they do everything done. they need to do, <laughs> done, publish. No, you still need to spend quite a bit of time editing, proofreading, being the content manager, ensuring that it's going in the right direction, it's structured correctly, it matches search intent. So what Google is displaying on page one, like the types of articles, the structure of articles, yours is broadly similar to that and not 
totally out of left field. So that is something you're still going to want to do. And I think it's important to do that, especially in the early stages, to establish the, the kind of quality bar for what you're looking for. Otherwise, if you just, you know, I've seen people who hire a writer, order 100 articles, give them the keywords, and then publish it all, don't look at it, and wonder why their site's like not doing so well after yeah, a year. Yeah, you're still responsible for the content. And writers will not hesitate to give you shit content if you don't check, especially if you commission people for a large amount of articles. It's like, it, it tends to be good at the beginning and just it will sleep slowly. If you don't play that editor role where you push back, you ask for revisions and you show your hair. I'm not saying all writers are like that. It's not true. But it's a tendency you will observe as you give people no checks. And so it's not a hands-off. At 10K budget, you're not hands-off. You're still like very much implicated in the project and you need to give it your attention and you need to manage the help you're hiring. When it comes to link building, so you know, I would be inclined to spend at this budget range, inclined to spend most of my money on content and still do the link building myself. Yeah, probably. The main difference here is that it opens it opens up a few more tools and resources to make things go a bit faster. So I'd still be doing Haro, I'd still be doing this kind of sniper outreach, but by paying for an email tool like hunter.io and various other like email checking, email verification services, then it opens up this kind of like spray and pray shotgun style outreach where you're emailing like a lot of people per day. You obviously have to be very careful with that because there's going to be a lot of guest post farms in there and sites you actually don't want to link from. But your numbers will go massively up when, when you do this. Also, having a bit of budget means that you can, where it makes sense to, start paying for links you'll have a bit of money to be able to do that on good sites. It is a bit of a slippery slope, and if you're not careful, you can end up buying a lot of links on crap sites. If you go back five or six episodes on the, the podcast, you can find our episode on vetting sites and guest post farms and all that stuff. So that'll help you, help you kind of avoid it. But that would generally be my approach to link building with this. I think only once you start increasing your budget to kind of the next level, would I look to be bringing in kind of dedicated link builders and you know people to, to do all that side of things as well? I agree. I agree. So that's what we were saying at the beginning. You can hire help, but you need to be quite great. I think that job, your life, what does your life look like when you have a 10K budget at the site is you hire help to write the content, you play the editor role, and you do link building yourself, and you are well-tooled. Like you have access to all the tools that you need and, and efficiencies that you need to build your site. I think that's a good place because it gives you more budget for content than if you just go full outsourcing. And with this much content, you have a good chance of like hitting that break-even point, I would say. Whereas if you start taking away from that budget and putting it in other places, it's not guaranteed, you know? I'd say at 10K, I would also, did we talk about expired domains? I would start looking at that as well, actually. It might be worth spending an extra 2K to something like this to buy a decent domain that's like already DR30 or 35, something like this in your niche. That will give you a head start and that will get you results faster. So I would definitely spend some money there as well if you can start on that. It would cut a bit from the content, but you're much more likely to get uh, results earlier. So I would do that. Places like Audis.Global are good. Uh, Juice Market is good. GoDaddy auctions are really good as well. And it's kind of one of these things where if you're going for that strategy, you might want to like be sitting for a while and look for the right opportunity to acquire the right domain. And quite often at the moment when you want to start, that right domain is not here. It's kind of like when you want to buy a house, right? It's like, 
don't just like open the real estate site and buy a house right now. You just know that in the next six months, one year, you want to buy a house and then you just wait for like the fresh offers to hit the market because they tend to be the best. Kind of the same for domain names. So it's a good idea. If you have some time in front of you before you get started with that project, you can even, if you really know you want to go into a niche, you can even start creating the content, etc., and like start having content ready. So when you, when it all hits, you can, it can, all the stars can align. But it's a good idea to look at that, at that budget as well. Okay, should we go for the bolo budget now? The 100K? Yeah, let's do it. Should do 1 million as well. The main, a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> the main difference And 44 you buy Twitter, when, you know? <laughs> the main difference here when you're looking at kind of like six-figure budget on, on a site is that you just have money to hire more people. You can kind of go much faster as well. And the last one we talked about, 130,000 words on your 10K budget. That might seem like a lot, but that, that might only get you, you know, 50 or 60 articles. You have a 100K budget, you can easily do sort of like 500 or more. That's when you go for a larger on, niche. On like it's, again, it's kind of like that niche scope. And it's, I think it's really important, like pick the niche that matches your budget and you're much, much more likely to succeed. You can even talk about expired domains and stuff in the last one, but you can even buy sort of not like very successful sites, mm, but yeah. you buy a site making 500 bucks a month that has some traffic that just... You can come in and kind of do a bunch of stuff, add a bunch of content links and grow it. And you're already already past that initial sort of sandbox yeah. phase. And you just, everything just goes much faster. I think like Motion Invest is a good place for that, I guess. They sell kind of like small sites, but like not as crappy as what you'll find on Flippa or something. <laughs> There are some good options on Flippa, but you gotta weed through a lot of lot of crap to, to find it. There are also some Facebook groups out there for website flipping, buying and selling that you can you can find like lower budget or lower value sites on there, sort of in the thousands to low five figure valuation range. Or you could outreach to buy. Like a lot of people do that as well. Like just literally just Google low difficulty keywords in your niche, find the small sites and email them and say you want to buy the site. Now one thing that, that I think with like a 100K budget is you're probably still going to want to do the research and planning yourself. I know there's a, a lot of people who are like, oh, let's outsource everything. Let's find someone to do our planning, our niche research, our keyword research, all that stuff. But really, have you seen, have you seen anyone have a lot of success with outsourcing that side of this? I mean, you could, I guess you could do it, but like if someone's good at SEO, they can build a 100k site without you. <laughs> like It's like uh, people who are actually good at this stuff, they have a 100, like they have a 100k or someone's going to give them a 100k to build the site and then just JV or something. Like it's it's going to be hard to get like quality people that do the strategic stuff on that budget still. It's still not a lot for, for the actual, like it's, you know, it's uh, it's less than a yearly salary of a really good SEO person, for example. So yeah, I would do that myself for sure. In terms of hiring and bringing in more people, so rather than just having a writer or a couple of writers working for you, you can also then start to bring in an editor or a sort of senior content manager to oversee it and to provide that role of gatekeeper to make sure the writers, the quality of the content doesn't decline over time. You obviously need to still set the bar yourself, train them, work with them, give a lot of feedback to kind of establish what you're trying to do. But if you find the right people, then it's much easier to kind of kind of get that done without you having to spend so much time yourself. And kind of like a, an editor, you're probably looking at about 25 to 30 bucks per hour. Usually the, the freelance ones are done on an hourly basis. Even at this level, I would be hesitant to hire a full-time 
editor, it's probably not worth it at this stage until you really have five, 10 writers on the go. This also, this budget also allows you to start hiring link builders. And we had Ujus from Recruiter Mill on the, the show, I think it was last year. So um, we'll link I'm very to that impressed episode. with your ability to remember podcasts, by the way, in this episode. It's uh, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> in that show, we talked about hiring link builders specifically in Eastern Europe, but you know that the same principles apply in other regions as well. And sort of for around about $1,000 to $1,600 per month, you can hire someone with a bit of experience on a site like jobrack.eu where they they can run your link building for you at a kind of okay level. You, you spend a little bit more, maybe like two and a half K a month, and you, you can hire someone who's been doing this sort of like four or five years. And that opens a lot of doors in terms of how fast you can grow the site and just frees up a lot of your time that you would otherwise have been spending on on doing the link building yourself. You can obviously equip them with you know higher tiers of hunter.io so they can get more throughput in terms of the emails they're finding and uh, messages they're sending per day. And you can also obviously spend more on, on paid links and go for the, the, the better ones when those opportunities come up. When you start growing your team, you also need to invest a little bit more in some of these tools that we talked about using the free tier of Notion or Asana before that starts to grow to sort of it's not a massive amount of money, but you know, you're spending eight bucks a month on Notion, yeah, it adds 11 up, yeah. bucks a month on Asana times five, six people, times twelve per year. You know, that you start spending thousands of dollars a year on on, on That's how tools. they get you, right? They get the free tier. So I talked about the absolute free tier in the in the zero dollar budget, but yeah, eventually if you build a team, you need a bit of a budget for it. I think they will sit. It's like I think uh, having the right collaboration tools when you have a team is extremely important. Try not to have too much as well. It's a problem we've had several times or too many different ones. But yeah, if you stick to that, it's not too bad, I think. That's it. Nothing else to add? Okay, I don't have much to add to this as well. It's like, I mean, it's pretty, it just scales linearly from that point. And it's one of these things as well, it's like don't overspend on servers and things like that. Like when we build simple content size, they don't need like incredible tech. And something like Cloudways, for example, has done a really good job for us. We could scale it as far as we wanted. Even when we run like complex member areas where it needs to calculate like basically the access rights, every page load, et cetera, like these are completely fine and they don't cost a lot of money. So, you know, maybe scale up your server one tick on uh, on Cloudways and that's about it. But other than that, I don't have much else to say on the 100K budget. Uh, we actually have a free training if you want to start a new site. It gives you a bunch of tips that you can go and find on the Toy Hacker training Dot com, so we'll just put the URL below. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you again in two weeks for another podcast episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, etc. See you later.